What is not written is not said. What is not written remains undone. Some things can be risked leaving to memory and others simply must be noted. These are referred to as noteworthy things. When you encounter the noteworthy that is backed by and based on the word of God, you have met the noteworthy. Welcome to the noteworthy with Teddy Podcast, brought to you by Reverend Teddy A. Jones. Get your mind in gear and your willpower engaged. The revolution begins now. Here is today's episode. Shalom Alekem. Last week's episode was described by me as crisis in prayer. This caused a family member to ask, Rev, can we have a crisis in prayer? My response was, listen the recording and you'll get the answer. As we bring this series on biblical models for responding to crisis to a close, I want us to explore that possibility some more. I also must confess that I would not give myself rest if we didn't draw upon this particular text. The text of which I speak is the record of the colossal battle with temptation which compelled Jesus to pray and which intensified during his prayer. In case you guessed it, and in case you're still puzzled, I'm speaking of the crisis of the will in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is one thing to experience a crisis of faith. It is quite another to be in a crisis of your will. Luke narrates it in verses 39 to 46 of the 22nd chapter. In Matthew, we find it in chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. Mark renders it at chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. John uses the high priestly prayer of Jesus, which ends at chapter 17, as the bridge to Jesus leading the disciples into the garden location, with his opening words for chapter 18 being, when he had finished praying. So last week, we dived into an autopsy of temptation. We made the point that there is no place that we are safe nor secure from temptation, not even in the space where we are seeking to commune with God. Not even Jesus was spared temptation. In the Gethsemane debacle, we again cannot escape noticing how familiar Jesus is with temptation, and how much he takes it seriously. In each of the Synoptic Gospels, he is quoted as strongly encouraging his disciples to pray that they don't fall into temptation. You get the sense that for Jesus, temptation was no figment of our imagination but a very real, clear, and present danger. Watch this. 
Do you realize that when the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, one of the big ideas he emphasized was the importance of habitually asking God's help with overcoming temptation. We recite the words, lead us not into temptation, from what we mistakenly call the Lord's Prayer, rather than the Disciples' Prayer, without recognizing the gravity of this big idea. There are many today teaching people what to pray, and sadly, some of the very things they pray for can easily become tempting snares. Of all the concepts that Jesus could have taught his disciples about how to pray, he made sure they understood the critical importance of praying for strength to deal with temptation. No other film which attempts to take the Bible to the big screen gets high marks from me, as does Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. Quite apart from this cinematography, the director's grasp of biblical theology, particularly Christology, that is the doctrine of Christ, is a breath of fresh air. The opening scene is epic. We hear the words of a man in anguished prayer, and then the camera pans to the prostrate figure of Jesus, voicing the struggle with what he was about to face on the cross. The silhouette figure of the voice casting doubt on his mission, the validity of his mission, and the worth of those who were at the center of that mission pierces the stillness of the garden. The camera then shifts to the slithering snake getting menacingly closer to the seemingly oblivious human. Then just as the snake is about to strike, Jesus stomps his foot upon its head. In that one bit of action, we are taken back to Genesis chapter 3. Not only in the fact that both the Old Testament and New Testament texts are set in a garden, or that they both involve the devil, but that Genesis 3 speaks the prophetic bruising of the heel of the seed of the woman and the crushing of the head of the serpent by the seed of the woman. I get goose pimples every time I watch that scene, and it makes me want to shout, Hallelujah! The devil is defeated. It may be a bit rough on the sensitivities of some to have to come face to face with the reality that Jesus was tempted. Again, recall that the temptation narrated by Luke in chapter 4 ends with the statement that the devil left him until the next opportunity. Here in Gethsemane, the opportunity was certainly seized. As Jesus contemplated the separation from his father, which was inevitable once he took upon himself 
the sin of the world on the cross, he flinched. His confession before God in prayer is as real as it gets. There is no beating around the bush. There is no glossing over things. It's, it's like, Daddy, I know we formulated this plan of redemption. I know I agreed to rescue human souls by my sacrifice. But is there another way, some other way that doesn't involve separation from you? The anxiety and stress were so intense that he had a psychosomatic reaction. The blood pressure escalated to the point that some capillaries ruptured, causing blood to ooze from his sweat glands. Th this is major. Efforts to allegorize the temptation of Jesus will have to contend with this text. And I frankly can't fathom how it's even possible to do so without serious intellectual dishonesty. The intensity of the temptation to divert from purpose, to take the easier route, to take a shortcut is most graphically recorded here. The vulnerability of Jesus in Gethsemane is the greatest is in all of the gospel recordings. He took his inner circle with him and pleaded with them to back him up in prayer. There's a lesson in that for us too. Not only are we to be watchful and to actually pray against temptation, but we should seek the help of our circle of support. Oh, and by the way, you do realize that it's critical to actually have such a circle of support, yes? Over and over in life, we are faced with the temptation to meet our legitimate needs in illegitimate ways, to give ultimate service to idols in the pursuit of this world's goods, or to seek after power and fame to massage our egos rather than living to please God. At times, these forces may seem to be pressing us in like a vice grip, and all it takes to ease the pressure off is to give in. However, the path to victory, the ultimate resolve in time of crisis, is to repeatedly be able to say, not my will, but yours be done. I am praying for you to run well and finish well. And when you are strengthened, help a brother or sister to do the same. Amen. This podcast is made possible through the sponsorship of Avid Coaching Services. Avid Coaching Services helping you to become all that you can and should be, helping you to make that vertical leap from mediocrity to legacy. Check out Avid Coaching Services at www.teddyajones.com forward slash coaching.
That's www.teddyajones.com forward slash coaching. Thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast, Noteworthy with Teddy. This is Reverend Teddy A. Jones. You think about it, let's talk about it. I look forward to your questions and comments. Use the social media links provided here to connect with me. If it's noteworthy, then others need to hear. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends and family. See you on the next episode. DV.